podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. Uh, not feeling great. Early kickoffs, losing a game to those assholes is like the worst combination ever. My weekend well and truly fucked. Cheers a lot, Red Men. Uh, 2-1, uh, we lost to Manchester United at Old Trafford. Painful, it hurts. Just one of them games with individual errors and poor referee officiating. But here we are yet again. And it's not about me. It is really about my panellists and the excellent callers I've got lined up. So, you know what? I thought we'll keep the panel a little fresh today. What good did that do us, huh? But nonetheless, I've got two great panellists who are going to offer their insight and share their thoughts on the game. First up, it is the host of Face Off Podcast and the global podcast and just the most incredible person that I've never met. It's Kaylon Karim. Welcome to the show, Kay. Thanks, thanks very much, Nins. I, I came on, Gags needed uh, somebody to balance off your other guest. It's a very high-quality guest, as everybody will find out in a couple seconds. I'm going to play the Tim Sherwood role on the panel today, and hopefully we can get through this. Bless you. Far too modest. You know, uh, you could have you could have been really harsh on yourself and called yourself Dejan Lovren, but we're not going to go that way. We're, go <laughs> we're not, we're not. Karma, karma, stay calm, Nina. And joining Kay, Kay is fabulous, you all know that anyway. Uh, joining Kay, I am delighted to be joined by host of the Reds Review podcast. He knows a thing or two about wrestling. I'm sure he wanted to, I don't know, I don't know, uh, slam dunk. Is that even a wrestling uh, no, that's basketball. Oh, is it basketball? Okay, I'm sure he wanted to do something horrible today, Jan Lovren. It's Andy Wales, you heard him. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just don't want him in a red shirt. <laughs> Nothing personal against him. I, I just, as a footballer, I just don't want him in a Liverpool shirt. I felt like that for a long time, but yeah, a disappointing, mm. a very disappointing day, disappointing start to the weekend, you know, a disappointing performance and... Uh, and the worst possible result losing to them. So, you know. Absolutely. But listeners, we're not, we're going to try analysing this game where it went wrong, yada, yada, yada. So we're going to try not depressing you too much. We're going to be quite thorough with this. But like I said, it would not be a show without callers. I've got three fabulous callers lined up, all AI Pro subscribers. And joining up, joining us first is Alex Mansfield. You've heard him many a times. Welcome back, Alex. Thanks, Nin. Uh, yeah, I wish I could. Wish it was a slightly less somber one to be talking about. But thanks for thanks for giving me the time. Ah, uh, nice. Nah, it's always great to have you on, Alex. Um, of course, you know, uh, I know you're equally as disappointed, and I know it hurts losing to them fuckers, but you, I'm sure you've got some thoughts that you want to share with the listeners, and of course, um, uh, Kate and Andy, so shoot and fire away. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I don't think I'm alone in being caught off guard by that first half, and I'm I'm still mm. trying to sort out if if it was tactics, if it was performance, if it was, you know, what the balance was between the two but the thing i kind of wanted to put to you guys obviously this was 
for many people a relapse for Lovren certainly, but you know, I'm he, he was certainly at fault for for both goals, but I wouldn't say directly. I'm a little, a little more concerned with what happened in the the following phases of play, and so I kind of wanted to get your take on maybe the defense's lack of response, and if we've almost gotten a little bit spoiled by how decisive our, our defense has been able to intervene since Van Dyke came along. Um, so yeah, I, that, I guess that's just my question to you guys is, is Lovren apart. What do you guys think about the subsequent defensive actions and kind of the, the failure to respond that, that led to those two openers? I think it's, um, it would be the discussion point. So Alex, it's good of you to kick the show off right there. Um, Andy, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, for me, I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts. Well, what we'll do is we'll discuss the first goal and the and the second goal. But your thoughts on on Lovren's um, involvement because I thought he was out, massively out of position for the first one. Trent, you know, he it should have he shouldn't have been there. Um, uh, at you know, he shouldn't have been so further deep. He should have been way more closer to uh, the forward. What the fuck was he playing at? It was almost reminiscent of the Spurs game at Wembley. Actually, I think he was caught in two minds whether to, um, you know allow Lukaku to just go and get that header and then, you know, keep his shape and play for the second ball or to actually challenge. And in the end, he didn't either. You know, he went up sort of an arm in the back, allows Lukaku to flick on and then leaves that space in behind. I think it's hard without it being too personal, but, in def- you know, in, in, football, in, in football in terms of intelligence, you know, he's not Mensa. You know, it's quite the opposite in football intelligence terms. Lovren is a bit of a moron in, in that respect. Um, you know, he's just got, he doesn't have that ability to read the play, to to think rationally, to think clearly and make good decisions. Uh, I'm afraid he, he's he's really poor. He's a reactive defender, just like Martin Skirtle was a reactive defender. And, and he's just not good enough. He's out of his depth at this level. And that's, not his fault. That's just, you know, the level he is, you know, and we've got to move past that. And then he was caught out today. And what you've got to say, I think as much as anything is you've got to give some credit to Jose Mourinho, as much as I don't like to do that is to, you know, it was quite clear. The stats were there. 66% of their attacking play was coming down that side of our pitch. Yes. Now that they were clearly targeting uh, the weakness of in defensive weakness of Trent Alexander-Arnold, yep. and also that 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 straight ball because that's all it was. It was just a straight ball, nothing special about it, nothing fancy, nothing you know really clever or revolutionary about the tactics. It was just a straight long ball aimed at the at Lukaku, who who realised quickly that you know in a couple of challenges with Van Dijk he was second best, so he went and positioned himself on Lovren, and then he he bullied him for most of the most of the time he was on Lovren he bullied him, uh, and that's you know Lovren's got many weaknesses and that's one of them. Absolutely. So he was dropping, yeah, he was dropping the ball. He was the target. The ball's coming to him. He's flicking on into space. It's not revolutionary, but it was effective. So they were smart. They knew what to do. They had a game plan. They went for it and it was effective and they exposed weaknesses that we have. And Rashford did very, very well on that first goal. He His took control, it really well, didn't he? He, he did. did. He yeah. did. Absolutely. You know, you've got to say he played really well and, you know, his control his turn, it threw, it totally threw Trent off. Trent is not naturally defensive. You can see that he wasn't close enough. And from there on in, his confidence was totally shot in that first half. But that, that first goal, 
with, if you imagine, if it's Van Dijk playing at right centre-back there, that first goal doesn't happen. The second goal doesn't happen because if Van Dijk goes for the challenge, he wins a challenge. If not, he holds his position. I actually think if it was Clavan, he probably would have won that challenge or he would have held the play. I think Matty would have held back. I don't think Matty would necessarily have gone. But the, th- the thing was, there was no challenge at all. It was easy. He was unopposed. A simple flick on. And from there on in, it was about exposing the weaknesses of a very inexperienced player who doesn't sure. look naturally a defensive player at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was part good, uh, good gameplay from them. It was well executed, some good football in there. And from us, and especially from Lovren, you know, an experienced guy, you know, he's, what is he, 28, 29? An experienced football at the top level, experienced international player. He still cannot read the ball, read the play, and cannot make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, but the thing is, it's not the first time we've seen it. It's not even the second or the third or the fourth. You know, th- this is it's double figures. You know, he gets exposed a lots of times, and he gets exposed in games where we're not, not punished. Today yeah. we were punished, and you know that there's the first goal, there's the second goal, and there's also where Juan Mata has the bicycle kick. It's Lovren that takes them two steps back and just to say plays him on side. You know, it's it's poor decision making and poor defensive awareness from him. And you know, and and it's I don't want it to be a personal attack on him. He's just simply not good enough for where we need to be. No, I do think some of his defending is like really disrespectful to the art of defending what you pointed out there. Kay, I'm going to bring you in. I want to get your thoughts on on the first goal as well. You know, what did you what 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 observations did you make from his defending, his positional awareness? And you know, on a completely side note, I think uh, Andy touched on some really interesting parts there where he was you know speaking about maybe a Matip or a Clavan. And do you think maybe Klopp got his um his uh, personnel wrong today? Maybe maybe a gun with the likes of a Gomez. At, at right back and obviously maybe a Mati Poraklavan as a centre back with the with Emma Van Dijk. Yeah, I think that's a difficult question just because it feels to me like Jurgen Klopp is the type of manager who will let a player run his course. Like you're in a good moment, as Klopp says, you're going to play, and if you make a couple of tiny mistakes, I'm going to stick with you because you're doing the rest of the stuff well, and it's only you know going to be when you make. And previously, Lovren has had a, the better of Lukaku in the past, hasn't he? So I could get why he did yeah. go with him. Uh, but I, I don't think you know uh, the horses for courses thing. I don't think fully applies to the Jurgen Klopp application of picking a starting lineup. Mm. I think there's more. He's more the recent form type of person, if, if I can put it like that. You know. Mm. Um, but it was, you know, it was so simple. I, I, I don't need to add much more to what Andy was saying there. They were the key components of that first half was isolating Lovren against Lukaku, isolating Trent Alexander-Arnold against Strashford, and and that was the whole game plan. Besides keeping it really, really tight at the back, mm. uh, you know, like Andy says, there wasn't too much to it. But I thought Jose Mourinho did actually to give him, you know, credit. I thought he did a, a really good job of managing the second half against us. Um, I know we did better, and I know we were not, you know, we were rubbish in the first half, but I, I thought uh, I thought Jose actually did a, a couple of really, really interesting things in the second half. To, to like, to get to the, to the sort of question, though, I think our defense is, you know, it's when a player makes a mistake, I think there's two parts of it. The players around that player making a mistake, as long as the mistake allows for a bit of time for recovery, there's two sort of parts of what happens afterwards. And the first is sort of proactive. You're seeing Lovren step out of line. 
you are perhaps, you know, you should, as a good defender, be anticipating that maybe he's going to lose this header. Where is that header going to go? How can I cover that space? And I don't think we always react well to a player doing that in our defense. I don't think the rest of our defense really does that. I don't think our midfield does that. And the second part is the actual reaction. I, I think, you know, the player makes a mistake and this is so bad. It's like when you play five-a-side football or, you know, when you play like Sunday league football, it's just things go at an expected in an expected way when you're defending you know you you expect the ball to be passed here you expect this person to cover this space and so on and so on and when they don't it throws everything off and you know that that it, we don't seem to react to that our, our players don't take the reactive mode of that and get into the space cover the thing leave their man if necessary just to cover that more um that more dangerous position so you know going back to the original question i i just don't think we're that mindful as a team, we're that reactive as a team. And I, I wonder maybe, you know, if, if that we need to be like that because that's the way Jurgen Klopp plays or if we could do a little bit better in that respect because a lot of our times, I think you were mentioning before the pod started, Nins, you know, our midfield is not, they're not defensively aware. They're not going to help you in that, in that sort of regard. And if the defense has to do it themselves, maybe it's just too many positions to cover. I don't know, mm. it, it doesn't help when like, you know, you give the ball away right in front of your... Uh, right in front of your back four and so on and so on. Oh, we'll get into that in a minute. But, Keir, whilst I'm here with you, I uh, want to get your thoughts on the second goal. I mean, Dejan Lovren got absolutely bullied by Lukaku again. It was embarrassing. No, it's embarrassing. And that was that's the fulcrum. Both goals, that's the fulcrum. And I, I know I don't want to take anything away from Marcus Rashford. He did have an exception. You know, he had a really, really good game. And Trent was absolutely baked for the two times that you know for the at least for the first goal and then the second one he, you know he was drawn a little bit to the ball he, he does seem to be ball watching a little bit uh, caught a little bit unawares in, in certain things you know falling for for relatively simple things but I, I just think you have to accept that if you've got a young guy coming through the ranks that you have to give chances to you know we of don't course. have a senior man in that right back position to be able to do that I'm not going to take a chance on James Milner in that position you know for this game um, mm. And your people, uh, some people are saying maybe don't play Trent in this game. But both times, both times for that goal, it's the isolation of Lukaku with Lovren. And like, you know, I, I was watching the match with my dad, and he's saying, why don't we, you know, do something? Why don't we move Lovren a little bit forward, move Van Dijk a little bit back, so we can recover the situation? And it almost doesn't matter because Lukaku is always going to go find Lovren, and Lovren is just, you know, once you have the measure of him, it's it, it, it was very difficult to see him come back. On that note, I don't know if you guys noticed it as well, but he didn't start the game very well, you know, Lovren as well. I don't, I don't want to attack him overly much, but he seemed to be a bit nervous. Then he seemed to collect it. He got, he got in. Uh, there was a sequence of like two or three tackles where he just went in and, and cleaned up a little bit, and that was great. And then after that, you know, slowly, slowly, he just seemed to be a little more jittery. I don't know if that's just me putting bias on, on the result now. Oh, those two mistimed tackled in the second. Them two mistimed tackles that he did in the second half. What the actual fuck? Jesus, Jesus, that was that was unbelievable. But there were, you know, there were a lot of times. I don't think it was just Lovren. Like that first half, we just, you know, we started the game and we seemed to be caught a little bit unawares. Maybe Bart Jose was doing it. Maybe it's just something of our own. Maybe we just felt that we had the measure of United. It wasn't falling into position or something like that. I, I don't want to say things that I know nothing about really, but. It, it just seems like the team as a whole 
but especially Lovren, but the team as a whole was just a little bit unsure of what to do with Jose's tactics of not fully parking the bus and not fully attacking for 5 or 10, 15 minutes, you know, when the game started. I think we didn't deal with that well, and that set things into motion. By the time the second half comes along, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's a bit too much too early for us to do anything about. Mm, interesting. Alex, I'm going to bring you back in. I uh, want to get your thoughts on what the lads have just discussed there. I mean, they have pointed out, you know, a few errors um, throughout the whole de- defence. Um, I want to get your thoughts on, on what your takeaways were from the defensive performance. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of a lot of very, very good points in there. Um, one person I was speaking with made an interesting one, which is, you know, given that both goals came from those those long direct balls, yeah, Lukaku mm-hmm. can pick can pick where he wants to go, but at the same time, if if you've got De Gea setting up a you know a spot kick from his own end, there's absolutely no reason that Van Dyke can't switch. And I never thought about that. If it comes from open play, obviously it's different. But I you know it's it's definitely hindsight thinking for sure. Um, but I agree with you guys. I mean, Lukaku was probably actively told to seek out Lovren and. Wisely such, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know that I have any more faith in Matthew Berklavan in that situation because behind Van Dyke, Lovren's our most dominant player aerially. Um, he's he's proven that before. I don't think anyone would have come into this expecting United to attack us on the ground. So, you know, to, to use the horses for courses cliche, I, I certainly think Lovren fit what we you know the bill of what we expected to be playing mm. but yeah it's 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 the things that follow and and i do agree we don't we can have we can have spells where we're great as kind of a reactive defending team but it's incredible how quickly things fall apart and i remember Klopp talking i think it was maybe after the spurs game about how it's never down to one error you know the responsibilities of the, def- of the defense is to clean up and you know they were mentioning on the US the US broadcast the idea of you need to be a pessimist if you're going to be a good defender you need to always assume that something's going to go wrong and it felt like we never had that assumption and as soon as something did go wrong in that first phase we totally got cut out i mean fair fair play to rashford on on his goal he was left with a lot to do and he he made trent look look pretty foolish and that's you know, Trent will use that as a as a learning experience, I'm sure, and it showed his, you know, his his lack of of defensive news. But yeah, that second goal. I mean, as soon as as soon as Lukaku shouldered Lovren out, um, we were, you know, we were we were totally we were all over the place. Um, and yeah, it's it's frustrating because I don't think I've seen this disjointed a, a defensive performance in a while. I also thought that bar the bar the one Mata chance, we did respond and reconcile things well but I also think that if that Juan Mata chance comes at 1-0 or 0-0 he takes it down and he finishes that I think he only goes for the spectacular because they have a 2-0 cushion so really we we, we lucked out tremendously there um, but surely yeah, hope- at that point Alex when you saw that and you look at and you saw Dejan Lovren just stood there with Emre Can both spectators it makes you angry like that got me so angry Luckily, he missed, but for them to just be stood there doing nothing, it was a disgraceful defensive performance. Oh, it really was, and that was the thing: was it was it was individual errors, but compounded. It was it wasn't just one player making mistakes; it was systemic when it happened, and, and that's so frustrating. Close proximity as well. They were just in fact they were having a mothers' meeting. Yeah, 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 and I mean the other thing, you know, you look at you look at Sorry. who they were outnumbering on the other side. It's I, I mean you've got. You've got Sanchez on the ball. You got Rashford there, and yeah, they they need some attention. But it was, I mean, it was it was U eight's ball watching. It was everybody everybody mm-hmm. flocked to the ball, and nobody pay attention to anyone else. Um, and 
yeah, you hope that's you hope that's a one-off. You hope that Klopp absolutely came these guys at the at, you know at at halftime. Um, I was I was much happier with us in the second half. I thought I thought Lovren did did plenty to, you know, to to redeem at least his individual performance in the second half. But again, the damage is done. Um, that's that's going to be a difficult one to swallow, and, and we'll see. We'll see how he and the, and the squad as a whole bounce back, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be going to be very curious to see how you know how Klopp lines up, especially you know we don't bar bar Chelsea, we don't really have any potential attacking teams mm. down the stretch, but obviously we have the Champions League, and there's every everybody's been saying for the past you know the past month or so that Lovren and Van Dyke fit the bill as a partnership for teams that are come out going to come out and attack us, and I don't know mm. how much that's going to change and shape that narrative going forward. Absolutely. Andy, I'm just going to quickly come back to you. I mean, we've, we've heard um, both Alex and um, Kay uh, sort of discuss Lovren's performance and, you know, they thought he he looked a little better. I mean, I want to get your thoughts on his performance in the second half because for me, maybe he looked better because maybe United weren't applying the pressure because it's job done on their part. Yeah, I think that would be perfectly fair, yeah. He did do better. I mean, it's hard to do much worse in the first yeah. half. It was really poor. Uh, but it was again. It's you know. It's the times where you need them. You need the defenders to step up. You need that concentration level, that ability to read the play and anticipate what could be happening, where the dangers are. You know whether to go and make the challenge, whether to drop off. You know and, and things like holding the line. You know that decision he makes for that one matter chance. That one matter chance to take them two yards step back and play him on side. You know he defying the rest of the defensive line to drop himself you know, and play him on side. You know, th- these kind of decisions are, are so damaging to our defensive play and our structure. And, and yeah, there's a lot more going on in front. You know, obviously we talked about like, giving the ball away and whatnot. But yeah, a better better second half because what he was, ha- what he was having to do was pure reactionary. Uh, there was so little in terms of, you know, them targeting him like they did in the first half, that it was more about him just reacting and cleaning up and make, coming in and making them challenges. That's, you know, that's the kind of thing he's comfortable and he likes doing. He's coming, flying across, making them 50-50 challenges, stepping across. He, he made up the ground well in one challenge, in one with, um, with Lukaku in the second half. But, yeah, the damage is done in the first half. You know, we, you, we can't... We can't keep forgiving and and patting someone on the back and saying, "Okay, you'd had an okay second half after you were, you know, culpable after in two goals." Us, yeah. yeah, after you've got you, you were culpable in two goals and almost, you know, costed us a third goal as well. You know, we can't pat you on the back and say, "Oh, well, it's okay," because you know, second half you did okay. You know, th- it was done. The damage was already done, and what we need is you know, some better players so that we're not in that position where the damage is done and we're not having to try and recover and be, you know, be patting people on the back for not playing as badly as you have done in the first half. So you you don't want us to feel like it's, you know, a personal, you know, targeted attack just on him and like everything's his fault. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't the only one in that first half. Trent had a terrible first half as well. I thought Ox had a really poor first half. You know, we were we were ineffective up front as well. Mane, I thought, used the ball really badly because Andy, they were we'll cl- discuss, we'll discuss Yeah, so I know. Well, sorry, yeah, yeah, I know. We'll we'll get to you know, but you know, we 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 had other players who didn't play too well and didn't do things that mm. we'd expect them to do. But and that's where it comes in. We, you know, yeah. them key players. You know, from goalkeeper and the defenders 
you know, them key important moments, we need them to make the right decisions, you know, the absolute majority of the time, you know, we're talking, you know, 99% of the time. And unfortunately, is he has a history of not making the right decisions too many times. And it's just so costly and we have to mitigate them risks and, and that's going to be transfer market in the summer, I feel. Yeah, I think a lot of people share your thoughts on that one. Alex, thank you so much for your call. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Great uh, great chat as always and on to the next. Indeed. So that was our first caller, Alex, talking about the defence and in particular Dejan Lovren. We have our second caller here, another AI Pro subscriber. He's called my show before. It is Iftikhar Kabir. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nina. Uh, oh, I wish it was a it was on the back of the wind, but mm-hmm. we march on. Um, I have like two questions. One is about our midfield. Um, Let's fire away with that one first. Let's discuss uh, that. Do you feel that our midfield is, has become a little bit ponderous in the sense of we, I know we play a lot of teams that park the bus or, you know, sit deep. And so we have to be patient in our build-up and to create our attack. And we do that. And especially our attack covers over the cracks for the midfield, I feel. They do spend a lot of time thinking about what they're going to do. And I'm I'm in a game like this against a real, like a menu side that has quality it, they weren't decisive enough, I felt. Mm. Even, even though in the second half we had a lot of position, they weren't able to get out. It didn't seem like we were doing anything that was exceptionally bothering them. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it always felt like they had it more or less under control. I would like to hear your panel's thoughts around that. Well, you know what? What a wonderful question, Iftikhar. And I'm going to come to Kay first. Kay, Iftikhar just used the word ponderous. And I thought that was definitely the case today. He looked a bit slow, a bit abject, kind of. I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to discuss the midfield today. I, I felt like in like, in particular in the likes of, say, Oxley Chamberlain, Clinton Stringer passed together today. Um, you, you know, to the point where it became so frustrating that people at Firmino were having to drop in deep like they usually do. But today, the midfield looked really off. I felt like there wasn't that link between the the attack and the midfield, which was maybe what was needed to say that playmaker kind of quality. Whoever played in the 10 was just, the, the whole function was just not working. Whether it was Ark, sometimes it was Sadio, sometimes it was Bobby. Mm. But United had that, had that function just locked down. And I, I completely agree with the word ponderous. But mm. I, I, for me, it goes back to an issue of quality because... We have, we tend to have a midfield that is built more for a strategic imperative rather than an on the field tactical switching imperative. And I mean, Andy was saying it much better than me a, a bit earlier, but in essence, what is happening is that you have a midfield that is built to do a couple things. One is transition really well. One is press really well. When it comes to having a game situation that they don't recognize, it becomes very difficult for them to change. And we saw that. We saw that as if Tikar was saying, when United started, when they they played this in-between game, it wasn't parking the bus, it wasn't attacking, we didn't really know what to do. So we go in at time. we come out, Klopp sets us up a little bit better, moves us further up the field, and that's what happens. Over the course of the second half, this is what is what gets like sort of really interesting for me uh, in reference to this question, is that when we start, we force Manchester all the way back, all the way back to the 18-yard line, right? 
Mourinho starts losing his mind. He shouts at his defense. He berates them to move it 7 to 10 yards up. They do this. Momentum starts getting lost. He brings on Fellaini. They move 10 yards further up the field. Brings on Lingard. Now they, you know, now there's very few opportunities at, at that point. So, you know, while we had the, most of the, you know, possession, we played better and, and you could say we dominated that second half. There weren't a lot of chances because United was still controlling the space and that's what we can't do. That's what our midfield can't do. We can only control the space when our front three get it, when they're playing well and when they have just a little bit of space in which to operate. If we don't have that, the front three have to drop back. They have to supplement the midfield. And they have to, in effect, perform the midfield's function of reacting to game situations, changing the passing uh, patterns, and doing something a little bit more creative than what's on what's on show. But, I mean, I, I think Andy can answer this question a little bit better than I can. There you go, Andy. No pressure at all. <laughs> Deliver <laughs> your, your thoughts on the midfield. I mean, I think uh, Kay made some really interesting points there. It was almost like it was set up for a certain way today and uh, with United not playing that way. Yeah, I, I, I do feel that we, maybe we just got ourselves into um, into a mental state of, you know, mentally we pre- prepared ourselves that this is, the, they were going to do this. You know, that we were going to see the same approach as what they they took at Anfield. And we, you know, they basically, as you know, it keeps often being trotted out as a bit of a cliche is, you know, they parked the bus. And that wasn't really what they did. Yeah, they they didn't commit people forward and play flowing football to try and attack us. As Kay said, it was it was kind of somewhere in between. It was bypassing the midfield. That was what they where they were really threatening us was they bypassed the midfield a long direct ball, and it was effective. And but the I think the real issue that we had, and I think well probably a couple of things really that Kay picked up on one thing that I thought was absolutely on point in saying that. Uh, Man United really sort of closed out the spaces. And there are areas where Salah likes to operate and get the ball and turn and move and receive the ball. What they did really well was close out them spaces. I think they, they had that McTominay and Matic so close mm. and, and moved across to that side as well. You know, the central midfield wasn't central. It was sort of, it was really sort of moved in over towards that side of the pitch. And so that you had you know, five players in very close proximity of their, you know, their players. So you had Firmino with not really the space to operate, Salah without the space to operate. So they, we like to play them little one-twos, the give and goes, the little flicks, and we're going to do this. And But we didn't have the space to lay the ball into. It was always kind of going to a United player or it was 50-50. And then if we even got to the ball, then there was somebody else to come and clean it up. You know, we were playing in congested areas and that, that allowed us, you know, they allowed us to move the ball out to Mane and he wasn't using it very well, unfortunately. But the midfield, when we were in possession, when we had the ball yet, we didn't use it effectively. We didn't use it very well. Shan was Marshall in his area doing what he was asked to do, I guess. Milner was being Milner, you know, he's making himself busy, but he's not going to be incisive with passing. And, and Ox had a really poor game, I thought. Mm-hmm. Where we need, what we really needed in these kind of situations is a midfielder who's going to break the lines, whether that be a pass or carry the ball, commit men. And this is the thing where we, these are the situations where we do still miss Coutinho and until Naby Keita arrives, we don't have anyone that can really carry the ball, dribble, commit, and then find the killer pass. Ox is trying to do that. He likes to carry the ball. He likes to dribble, but he's not. He's not always successful. He's not always making the right decisions. And today was a poor game from him. His passing was really poor. He wasn't using it too well. And it was frustrating. It was. It was very frustrating that 
like you say, you know, when we were in possession, we weren't necessarily using it very well. When they had possession, what they were doing was the first half, they were being quite smart. And they were just bypassing our midfield. They weren't trying to play through us. They were just bypassing it. And they were taking us out of the game in that, you know, that what was the point of pressing when it's just come straight over the top of us? It was it, it was a frustrating game, but I think I think for us, it's got to be a learning experience. It really has to be. We've got to to look at these things, and it's not just about teams are going to sit back 10 men behind the ball, sit on the edge of their box, and we've got to try and break them down. This was a bit more than that. It was quite smart from Mourinho. And this is where we need some diff- We do need some different types of players who can do different things and expose different situations. And but we, what we really miss, I think, in that midfield is what we had in in the Xabi Alonso. You know, a coach who's on the pitch who can make that call an audible, who can make them decisions, who can re- recognize that they get the pattern of the game is not what we perhaps anticipated, not what we set ourselves up for. And as much as Klopp can be trying to shift things around by this on the side of the pitch, a player who can spot what's happening and can make the right passes. You know, uh, that deep line playmaker who who is you know who makes the game tick. That the midfield general and. We 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 lack someone who can do that. We do, and it was it just very frustrating. It was it was underwhelming. That was the thing from from uh, from the performance today. It was it was so underwhelming. And United just denied us space in key areas of the pitch where we like to operate. They allowed us to have the ball in certain areas where we weren't going to hurt them, but they closed out space in in targeted areas, and we weren't seemed to you know we seemed unable to do anything about that. And it's it's frustrating. It's perhaps exposing some of our limitations. You know, we've done really well, but when we're still not quite there. And yeah, I, I guess, like you say, you know, we, we, we're going to have to, we're going to have to look at it and learn from it. But also, it's you know, we, we're still going to have to uh, make some moves in the transfer market to to start, to, you know, to keep adding those different types of players who could do those different things. And we can start ticking the boxes of, yes, when we come across this situation, we can still do this. We can still overcome it with that. You know, we, we still have our limitations today and still have our limitations, I should say. And today, Mourinho, you know, was he, he set his team up really well tactically. He he played, I won't say he played a blinder, but I, I say he, he did it. He set it up quite well. And obviously, second half, it was a little bit hanging on. But first half, tactically, they were absolutely spot on. And if the car, I'm going to bring you back in. Um, I want to get your response to what the lads have said about the midfield there, and then uh, by all means, fire away with your second point or question. Sure, uh, I, I agree with uh, Kay and uh, Andy on this. I think yes, we are missing a player that takes us faster. We are missing a player that, whether it's carrying the ball or through that delicate pass, breaks a couple of lines together. We have the player who can get the ball into, say, the next line behind them, or sorry, in front of them. But then, more often than not, the player is put into a position, unless they can beat somebody by pace, which our attackers can do, we, we find that then it's going sideways and backwards. And so we, we get stuck, especially if, if it's in a heavily congested area. Um, and I think this might tie into my last question, which is we can see with Mourinho, at least in the first half, he came with the strategy and the strategy was that he's going to target us from mm. one side. Uh, he picked the side of our defense that he thought was the weakest and he targeted. We, 
even if we believed that Mourinho was going to park the bus and that's how we prepared this game, I could not at any point um, tell that this was a manner in which Klopp was trying to target Man United's defense. And was that a failure on his part? I know our attack is flexible, it moves around, it goes to different spaces, but I also felt like that wasn't happening as much. Bobby and Mane were moving a little bit, but Salah was like kind of stuck playing on Ashley Young, who was basically doing anything using his hands, legs, everything to make sure that he doesn't get any space. And then it seem, seemed like when Salah wasn't able to get the better of the situation, we were just going down the middle and hoping that one pass breaks through somehow and we get a goal. But it, it was coming up short every time and we didn't, we didn't find a better balance or it didn't seem like we had a better target. Was that a clock failure in your guys' opinion in terms of how you prepared the team? Really, really good question. I mean, Andy, I'm going to come to you first with this one again, and um, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, how could have how Klopp could have set up tactically to exploit Manchester United? One of the things that I kind of, I mean, of course, this is post match. We watched the game. We jumped straight on here. We've not watched any replays or anything. But the one thing that was really frustrating me about Manchester United was the fact that they frustrated our midfield and certainly our attack because they did not let our attackers have any space. It's almost like they knew that we manoeuvre into space. We thrive off that. And all the passing was to the feet. There was no passing into space. And I think they really snuffed us out. And I think it was virtually impossible for us to do anything. That It would have had to been a perfect killer, gorgeous pass. And another thing we started doing as well, which kind of, because the balls weren't working on the deck, I kind of noticed that we kind of resorted to like floating in crosses. We're like the shortest team in the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, even though we we did seem to unsettle them at set pieces, um, mm. yeah, it, it was that whole thing of, like I say, you know, that they really closed out the space as well, and they didn't let us move into the places that we like to move into. We like to run into space, yeah. and they didn't. They, they just closed out them spaces that we let let we allow uh, that we like to run into. So, in terms of could we have done things differently? Obviously, yeah, hindsight is is a wonderful thing. Um, but if I mean, we don't know this for a fact, but it, it just looked as though we were kind of caught cold by their approach not being what we, mm. you know, everybody was talking about and everyone was expecting. That we we it was almost like yeah, we we prepared ourselves for one thing, but one thing only. And and I would certainly I would certainly hope that that wasn't the case. That we wouldn't be that naive. Um, you know, and that complacent, but it didn't. It did seem like that on the pitch that we didn't know what to do because they weren't doing exactly what we expected. Um, it, it it is difficult that we, you know, that they clearly targeted one area of our of our team, and we didn't seem to. We didn't appear to really sort of have a a plan of targeting a certain specific point of their team because they sort of snuffed out that they picked on you know a way to attackers and a way to defenders you know they, they wanted to snuff out the spaces and they were very sort of tight in as well for Salah as soon as he got received the ball he would have two three men around him uh, they wouldn't allow him to turn you know man in front man behind they, they were they were it was, you know I know Ashley Young was getting his praises sung on on Sky and I thought he played quite well but it wasn't, you know, an especially special uh, individual performance. I think it, it was more of 
they worked very well together as a team and they were clearly drilled and set up very smart in the way that they were going to deal with Salah. But what I don't think we did was was maybe look to utilise other areas of the pitch, you know, really stretch them and draw them out. What they, what they didn't want to do was come out wide into the really wide areas, get out to the touchline. Because Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia are not defenders. Okay, they're not, they've been playing fullback for however long. And I know people sing the praises of Valencia as well. They think he's a great right back. I think he's quite poor defensively. He can't tackle to save his life. Yeah. It makes some awful challenges. I mean, he was quite fortunate, you know, mm-hmm. with the, um, I don't know quite what, what you describe it as a kung fu kick. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he makes awful challenges. So for me, it was a case of, Maybe we could have targeted that side and and look to hopefully get you know really divide our play more and use utilize Mane in that wide area. Let him receive the ball and run at him. And the overlapping runs of Robertson as well on that side really expose the fact that Valencia um, loses his head sometimes as well and makes some really really poor challenges. So I don't think we really sort of opened and stretched them in the wide areas enough. I thought we were, we were too narrow and that played into their hands because, again, that was a congested area. They closed out the spaces and we, you know, the ball's bouncing into them. It wasn't going for us. It, it's it's the only thing that I think really that, that sort of sticks out as an obvious one be, other than, you know, the whole hindsight thing of we could have done this and could have done that. But from the, from the beginning, the whole thing that what they would not like is they'd want to be very compact. So you look to try and open them up and then create some of them spaces. And I don't feel that we really sort of did that enough, you know, to, to really sort of diversify how we were looking to attack instead of trying to go to Salah all the time and hoping he's going to pull a worldie and mm-hmm. dribble past people is really sort of prepare ourselves to more, to use both sides of the pitch, get really wide, make them overlapping runs, try and stretch him, try and get him out in the area where he's not comfortable and that's making challenges. The defensive side of Valencia's game is not good and and I don't think we expose that uh, enough. So for me, that that's the only thing that I feel that um, pre-game we should have looked to do that we didn't really do at all. Interesting. And Kay, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on maybe how Klopp and Liverpool could have approached this game differently and I think... Andy's onto something there about Valencia. You know, defensively, uh, you know, they are a little weak. And I want to get your thoughts. I do agree. I was actually discussing this during the game with, uh, you know, with my dad. And uh, he, he was also saying, you know, we, we're getting all these crosses in, but there's nobody there. You know, we, we're not a crossing team. We Defenders are taller than us when, when we're up front. And what it means is that we have to have a quality of fullback, and we didn't have this today. And not that I'm complaining about our fullbacks in, in this measure, so that they're not there yet. They're both young and they're both still learning. But to be able to sort of get the ball, get on the ball, and say, I'm going to ping this in a certain way because I know Firmino is not as tall as that attacker in a way that he can get and do something in the box. So we can, you know, we can bypass the space just in front, just on this, just on this, uh, on the, the line of the big box, and then um, be able to start flying our work inside. So I don't think we, you know, and the second thing is to be able to come inside and do more link-up play on, you know, in the inside channels. I, I don't think our fullbacks do that enough. They cross really well. And the crosses, though, are not always to anybody. They just they just look good. They're, they're good shape into good space, but it's not where the team is, so it doesn't really help us. I think that's the one thing. It, that doesn't help us. A couple, like Andy said, a couple of our really better moments when we look like we might um, get through the United defense came 
from you know our left hand side when uh, when Marnie and Robbo were, were going down there, but that happened so seldom, and it didn't happen much on the right hand side at all. The case of the midfield and how we set up and and what we could have done better, it's it's quite a difficult one, isn't it? Because again, I feel it's the question of what can what can Klopp do with that midfield? What can he tell that midfield to do? And you know, can we substitute him? Bring something on. One thing that I kind of say in this game was the fact that. I don't know if it's just me and I've just like maybe seen it once. Maybe I have to go. I don't want to rewatch it. Actually, I'm not going to rewatch it. Uh, I refuse to. Um, I felt like we looked really slow. We did. There were there were a number of. I mean, there were a couple. You know, that's a tentativeness of it. We we it wasn't just slow. It, it it was like a bit a bit of naivety when it came when it came to the game. We we were unsure of what to do. A lot of the time, you know, and I think one of those things there again is the specialist in midfield to come back to Andy's question of mm. when you don't have a specialist, you know, for example, number 10, I thought we were really, really lacking. Somebody to just occupy that position and yeah. people can just, you know, to, to be the hub and, and people can just be the spokes to that. Whenever Mane came into the number 10 position, he sort of looked like he was going to do something in the passes were just a bit too short, you know. Yeah. Ox came, he just doesn't have that, you know, that real creative ability. Now, is Firmino going to come into that? Because he does have that ability. But then who is behind him? Salah is going to go take up that position. Who's going to take up Salah's position so your defenders are not occupied? And that, you know, it, it's all that knock on effect of it's like not a man having down, that isn't it? Somebody's covering in, in somebody essence. else. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, when you go into, into a midfield a couple of times, a couple of our midfielders were in the same position at times. You know, they were sort of doing the same thing within the attack, which is to stand sort of outside the penalty box wait for the runs and try to hit it or, you know, wait for something to happen instead of making something happen. So it's, from my perspective, I mean, if it is it Klopp's fault or not, um, we rely very heavily on Jurgen Klopp for the strategic direction. And sort of when that doesn't get it right immediately, we don't have the ability to be able to change it on the field all the time. And that could maybe be a personnel issue, which... You know, I I think you can blame Jurgen Klopp for that, but maybe that's the price for knocking like basically every transfer out of the park is to wait for that kind of thing. Um, so it, it's so difficult. Like I I don't know I I don't really know what we could have really set up to do differently. How do we do that? Do we you know, put somebody in that number ten position? In anybody? You know, just tell somebody to be there. That's not going to work. They're not on number ten. You know, and, and they're not occupying defenders in the same way. They're not making defenders think in the mm-hmm. same way. And it's taking it's taken away from a position somewhere else. So I like, honestly, I know it's a, it's a, like a, it's a horrible thing to say, but I do think like Jose got a couple things absolutely 100% correct when he looked yeah. at how to target us, and we didn't really have the keys to unlock this thing that you, that Mourinho put out today. Absolutely. I mean, if the camera will bring you back in as well, you've heard what the lads have said as well. And I, I was kind of hoping at some point, you know, when United were really sort of frustrating our attack and they just had a load of bodies and, you know, balls were being played to our, our players' feet and they couldn't move and they looked a bit stationary. And I was kind of hoping and watching the game and you do start missing Coutinho. It's a natural reaction and just that willingness of somebody who plays that number 10 role who has the ability to shoot outside the box. Because even a player to have that kind of quality is, again, a different way of winning a game or, you know, causing another threat. And I thought that was another thing that we were lacking today as well. You know, somebody who's got a mean shot on them. But you've heard what the lads have said, Iftikhar. Um, I want to get your thoughts on how you think maybe we could have approached the game differently. Um, this might sound a little bit dour, at least uh, temporarily, but I think Kay hit, it, uh, hit the nail 
with the hammer when he said that right now, given the team that we have, we d- didn't have the keys necessarily to unlock what, mm-hmm. uh, what Jose did. And that doesn't mean that we're not very close to getting there. We, what most of the things with this team is very positive. And I think like in by next. Uh, season this is going to be a very different way that that we can start to unlock this team like we won't necessarily be missing that Coutinho piece with uh, Keita coming in and potentially another midfielder but yes I think today some of the things Jose did he just got it right Uh, I don't really ever like giving credit to Jose Mourinho but I think he just he just played a slightly smarter game today, and then he did all the dirty, tricky things that he does, wasted time, got his players to foul people, and we just got a little bit caught off guard by that. I, 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 don't, I don't think in the long run that we should worry too much about this result. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can definitely beat this team. Uh, it's just today a few things needed to go in our favor for us to unlock that defense. And that wasn't happening. Can I, can I just say one thing as well? Is another thing on that. Yeah, see, things didn't go away. Uh, I, I think you know, it's not excuses, but the referee was poor today. I think he was he was quite um, spineless, really. That you know, there was there was certainly a couple of penalty decisions that, that should have been given, but and that was kind of testament of the game. Uh, very indicative of you know any fifty fifties or even sixty forties were not going in our favour. And and penalty decision is not going our way. So yeah, it, a mixture of Mourinho getting it spot on first half, and when we needed the referee to make a brave call in the second half, it wasn't going for us. So uh, one of them. I think that's fair. Oh, and um, Naby Kate has got an absolute thunder bastard of a shot as well. By the way. Well, you know, exactly exciting times. That's what we're lacking. And I was kind of really hoping that. But yeah, absolutely. Well, Iftikhar, thank you so much for your call, and that was a really good discussion. Thanks for having me, guys, and up the reds. Indeed. That was Iftikhar, our second caller, discussing the midfield and how the club could have won it tactically. We're going to move on to our third and last caller, also an AI Pro subscriber. It's Sandeep Bogeta. Welcome to the show. Um, thanks for having me, Nina. It's always a pleasure, Sandeep. We've had you on before. Um, really interested to see what thoughts and uh, comment you'd like to um, share with the, the panel. Um, yeah, I just wanted to just um, just latch on to um, what the guys were saying before. Um, I think Mourinho goes spot on in the first half. Mm. Um, second half, I think the what I was glad about that we actually came out and tried some tried a few things mm. as well. Um, and yeah, we just missed that number ten really, the, like an Abbey Kate to someone that can just wrong with the ball and do something different like what Ox did against Newcastle. Um, so we, we needed something like that, um, really. Um, and then when you haven't got that, then you really miss someone like Coutinho. So I just want to know that what sort of number 10 do you think we need or would Naby be enough for our midfield moving on um, with games like this? Or Yeah, so I just want to ask the panel, really. I think I'm going to have to go to the man that um, probably watches him a fair bit. Andy, I'm going to come to you. Is Naby Keita going to be the answer to all our midfield problems or do you think um, personnel-wise other things need to come into consideration as well as to like maybe the likes of an Emirates and staying wishful thinking, I I know. But your thoughts, Naby Keita, I mean, he is only one man and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the players around him have to be of a certain quality as well. 
Absolutely. I, it's, you know, Naby Kate is not going to solve all our midfield issues, just as Virgil van Dijk is, was never going to solve all our defensive issues. You know, they, they will, they will make us better individually. They'll be better than, you know, than what we've got. And also it'll help the players around them, but it won't, you know, resolve all the issues. I mean, the thing is, well, no team is perfect. You know, teams lose games, teams have bad performances. Um, even great squads still have some weaknesses within them, you know. So we, you know, we're we're always yearning for a utopian <laughs> squad and team and performance, you know. And and it's never going to be that case. But we can certainly look, you know, stretch ourselves and get better and better and better. And Navigator will be an improvement. He will give us things that we don't have. I don't think he's going to be a number ten. I don't think people should be thinking of him as a number ten. He's a number eight. He's your box to box midfielder. He's fiery. He will get stuck in. He would have really enjoyed today making them um, making them tackles around the pitch. He mm. may have been. He may be a risk in some of the games like this as well. He could be a risk of a red card. You know that that's that's the type of player he is. He's absolutely fearless in every respect in his use of the ball, his runs what he'll try, and he's tackling as well. So he'll be fierce, he'll be fiery, he may, like I said, it, it might get him a couple of red cards a season. But I think the fans will just love him because he'll also provide so many great moments. He will. He is capable of the goal from outside the box. Like I said, he's got an absolute thunder bastard of a shot. But he's a dribbler, he's the give and go, he'll carry the ball, he'll break lines, he'll commit opponents, he'll make things happen. I think what we've got in Roberto Firmino, there is a number 10. You know, playing for Hoffenheim, that there he was number 10. That's his mm. specialist position. He's transitioned into a nine or a false nine, and he's fantastic there. I think, well, yeah, you know, in hindsight... Can I just yeah, go on, in there? With regards to that, I mean, it is wonderful that he has sort of um, transformed him into like a false nine and he is getting the goals. But the one thing that maybe I am hoping when Naby Keita comes, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, before, and I'd love to hear Kay's thoughts on this as well, whether he agrees or disagrees. But sometimes, I, I, as much as I love the you know, the, the workhorse that is Roberto Firmino, and today, again, he did that thing where he knew we were losing the midfield and he was chipping in and so was Sadio Mane, you know, taking it in turns. But then we were losing up top. So I'm thinking when a Naby Keita comes in, it means that people like Roberto Firmino are not sacrificed to go for walkies or going wonders deeper, that we actually have a man there who is a threat. Because one thing I love about Roberto Firmino is, for everything, is is the fact that he presses the shit out of defenders. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm like you said, you know, you imagine if Naby Keita's there today in that in that Liverpool team, you could have changed the shape quite comfortably mm -hmm. and had it Naby Keita alongside um, Emre Can, Played, played the four-two-three-one. Allowed Firmino to drop into that number ten role. Mm. You know, roaming in that area allows Salah to come in centrally, so they're not crowding him out in their wide areas. That opens up their wide spaces. They want to, they want to crowd Salah rather than crowding into a one. You know, over to that one third of the pitch. They're crowding then centrally. We start opening up the wide areas of the pitch. Ox could have been out in that wide position then. And uh, you know, and we've got Mane on the other side. We then got players out wide who've got pace, who like to run at defenders, you know, like to carry the ball and 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 commit defenders. So, um, you know, it, it's it's games like this where you think, well, if we had a specialist number nine, your archetypal number nine, you know, almost like you know your your Sergio Aguero, your your Harry Kane, who's they're going to be in there on the last defender, they're looking to sniff out chances in the box, and allows Firmino to drop into them areas in between the defence and the midfield to get the ball to turn and carry, but also knowing that, yeah, 
you've got a competitive midfield who are not going to shy out of anything. They're going to get stuck in. They're going to make the challenges. They're going to use the ball. They'll also, in, like you say, in Naby Keita, it's that give and go. It'll be a quick one to look to carry the ball or dribble past people, commit them, make them make them come out and do something different. Give them something different to think about. Let them let them come out of their comfort zone and and be forced into making decisions. And that is a big thing as a defender. You don't have to be making the decisions. You want the decision to be made up, made for you. It's simply that they're going to play that ball into the space where you are, or they're going to take a touch that takes it out of their feet and it allows you to step in. You're, if you're forced into having to make a decision, that, that's, you know, that, that's the whole thing. We're putting the onus back onto them to change their shape. And yeah, we, we, we as as Kay said, you know, we, we probably don't have enough of the tools for for Jurgen Klopp to be able to to change things around quite as much as we'd like. Again, some of the the weaker sides, yeah, we we've been transitioning our shape and our formations through the season. You know, from a four three three into a four four two to a four two three one. You know, we've been shifting and changing in between three four different formations throughout. Uh, you know, a half of football, and it's great to see us being able to do that. It, it's a sign of progress. But against these better sides with the better players and, and the more clued up managers, we're still not quite there. So we, and that's where we do need some of these better players who can actually live at that higher level and and help us, you know, really sort of uh, force ourselves upon a, on the opposition a bit more. And navigator will help an awful lot, but. I think it is fair to say that you know we we should not expect him to solve all our midfield issues. Absolutely, and Kay, um, uh, I'm I'm going to come to you. Uh, I th- I think you know if we had that player like a Keita who is like you know like who is a three and three number eight, and obviously Emre Jan just plays a six role. I think it would have really helped today in this instance. Maybe like a Knox Chamberlain who could have played the ten role. I do think so. Yeah, I mean I completely agree with what Andy was saying. That Keita looks a monster. He looks like you know, he's just going to be one of these really special players. The cops are going to take to him. Uh, it's only a matter of time, really. That that kind of that's what it feels like to me. But what we saw today is, you know, we have Virgil Van Dijk in the defense. Virgil Van Dijk has made the defense a little bit better. And what an opposition can do is still target your weaker players and do things as long as the stars align correctly for that. You know, so we had two of the weaker players on that side of our defense. It was slightly easier, that kind of thing. You know. But what happens when you have Nabi Keita in the midfield? And if you look at what happened with Firmino today, where you were saying, Nins, Firmino has options. He's such an intelligent, such a good footballer that he has options. He can play all the way up front. He can play 10 yards back. He can play 10 yards back and he'll play 10 yards back. You know, like, and we saw him today come into the, you know, on the halfway line, making tackles to supplement the midfield. That was his decision to go do to help the situation over there. Now, Nabi has that option as well. And he will make those decisions. If somebody's not performing well, you know, he will drop or he will advance to do that. And, and that, that's what, you know, that's, uh, that's also part of what Andy's talking about. We need to have options within the particular function. You don't want Nabi Keita, you don't want Virgil van Dijk to be the only one sort of making those decisions. In a way, I, I mean, if, if, if Mane was having one of his sort of better games, we wouldn't have had that problem. But in a way, we had that problem with the front line even today. With Firmino, basically being that lieutenant there who's trying to organize things, trying to get people moving and pull people out of position, just make something happen. And not much else happening from the front line, it stifled things a bit. You know, now in the defense, it it, it couldn't work properly because as Andy was saying, Lovren is out of position and he's playing people on side and 
or you know charging up front to try and get the header, not getting the header, that kind of thing. It it undermines the entire function. And so definitely go get Nabi Keita, get him in, go get Virgil van Dijk, get Robert Firmino. But what we need to do now is start looking at the function, look at the midfield function and say, how do we get the best out of our best players? And that's when they don't have to worry too much about what's going on around them, when they can perform, what they what they sort of want to do, when they can react to situations. We want them to react to. And that's to get quality in other positions that, that can help. I, I think Emre Chan has suffered in the past from almost performing two functions in midfield. That could also be because I like Emre Chan a lot and as people have said to me, maybe I think he's better in my head than he actually is. But I think he suffered for it. And he wants to... I think this whole thing with his contract is he wants to go somewhere where it's more... It's something specialist is happening. He's, he's groomed for a role. And he's around other quality players where he's very sure of what their position is. He's very sure of what their function is. And he can play off of that to do this today. So, we, you know, th- that's the thing. It, it, it's... It's, it's one thing to have that kind of midfield and to bring one person into it. But if, for example, Emre Chan goes, we need somebody else to, uh, to be there. If Emre Chan stays, he needs to pick a function and we need to know what that function is. Um, you know, to get the best out of Nabi Keita, to get the best out of Emre Chan as well. And that's the thing it all comes down to. So many times this season, we've been let down by a lack of speciality, as Andy says, within our midfield. And like, I mean, just get, if, if we had to destroy a six. We know that, that that's the six. We know that that's that person's job. Everybody else can function around that. Now you take up specialist positions. You start learning your trade. You start making mistakes and getting better. And we, we're unable to do that now because there's so much swapping of positions because, you know, this person's out there. Okay, I'll just do that. It, it's, it can work for maybe most of the games. And, and this is what, um, you know, I think Ithaca was also sort of saying, a previous caller, is that, this is, it feels like a sort of one-offish game for this season. I think we're going to be okay. It's just that we know within this, this particular game, it sort of didn't work out. Our function, our system has worked for most of the games. We're getting much better against the, the sort of the dross of the league, if I can call it that, like Simon Brandish calls it. So if, if we need to go the extra step, it's just that quality in there and we're not that far away from it, but we can't isolate our good players and allow our position to be able to play around them essentially. Fair enough. And I'm going to come back to you. Uh, you what, what do you make of what the panel have just said there, um, Sandeep? Uh, your, your thoughts on what they think about Nabi Keita and his importance for next yeah, season? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I think you you will change the dynamic of our midfield. And I think we need a few more uh, specialists. So you've got number six, you'll have a number eight, you'll have a number ten. Um, and, and not um, jack of all trades, master of none, really. I think we just need to pick players in the specific roles. Um, the other thing I was going to say as well, I, I, I think the Dejan Lovren project's finished now. I think he needs to... <laughs> I, 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 think, I think we need we need a proper uh, right, right-sided right centre-back, a proper partner for Van Dijk. That's it now. Mm. I think... Um, like Mignolet, he's had his chances and that's it. Exactly. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I think we all echo your thoughts there, Sandeep. We're all with you on that one. But um, thank you so much for your call. Yeah, no worries. It's always a pleasure having you on, and I hope the Reds have not ruined your weekend. No, they haven't. It, it, I think it's just all the scum fans now texting me. That's the only thing that's ruined my weekend. But yeah, that's it. But thank you, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Always Bye. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm fucking related to them. Beat that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
That was Sandeep, our last caller. Uh, now it's just myself, Andy and Kay, and we are going to discuss the painful stuff that wasn't discussed by callers. <sighs> deep breath, people, deep breath. Okay, um, Andy, I want to come to you. Uh, is there anything that you feel that hasn't been discussed that you kind of want to get off your chest? I call this pod the closure pod because once I do it, I don't want to discuss the game ever again. I, I think, we, you know, we've briefly mentioned it, but I think it, I know it's hard in, in isolation because of the opponents and there's so much on it. And, and I said pre-match, you know, these are the games that take years off my life. Uh, I, I hate playing them. I love beating them, but absolutely hate losing to them. They're just there's just something about them and the, the, these games that yeah in isolation it feels like the end of the world but you know and the bigger picture is that it's you know there's lots of positives this season we have progressed we have improved we are moving in the right direction and and it's important i, I think it, it's better that we finish the game on a high you know rather than finishing on a low you know them pinching save them pinching the winner late on you know we'd come out of the game feeling even more deflated than we do that the fact that we finished on a high that we were pushing and pushing and pushing and they were hanging on and and we really should have had a couple of penalties you, you, you at least that you know that they, they can take something from that you know Klopp can take something from that second half performance and the way the game ended and say okay you know you know, we've showed something, at least we showed some guts, some character, and that we didn't go down with a whimper. We were going out with a fight, and we can take that, and we can, we can get back on track in the next match and continue with the good form that we've we've showed in recent months and, and press on to the end of the season because, you know, one result should not be should not be the end of it. It's um, it's still there for us, you know, mm. Champions League qualification, top four, solidifying our place in the top four. I think that's a big thing. I know people don't like to look at that, you know, because obviously you want to win trophies, but, you know, you look in recent years, you know, we, we might have got in the top four, but then we are straight back out of it again. Yes. And rather than that, you're, you're back and forth all the time. We need to get in there and stay there. Uh, and that's the thing, re-establishing uh, re ourselves as a Champions League team and that's how you attract the better players that you are there mm -hmm. you are contenders you keep moving in the right place and I do feel that hopefully that this game is just um, a stumbling block you know a pothole in the road but we're on the right track we're still going in the right direction we can finish on a positive and who knows you know that the stars may align and we do still get to lift a trophy because there's only one trophy that uh, you know we can win so you know and just imagine that we finish top four and we get to lift that uh, that's that that famous trophy. Absolutely, and Kay, I'm going to come to you. I think Andy's, uh, you know, made some really, really good, uh, powerful statements there. You know, not take this game in isolation. And I think as as fans, we're we're guilty of that. You remember the last result or the last game, and it's all of a sudden a, a barometer of how you're playing or where your team is or where your squad is. And before this game, I think you know we've been quite decent. We've not really had many individual errors. Uh, obviously, today uh, was the complete opposite of that. And, you know, something that he's touched on there, like, oh, we laugh at, you know, us, uh, you know, for example, we've always laughed at Arsenal for finishing top four and stuff and yada, yada, yada. But I think Andy is spot on in the sense that we need to become a consistent team in Champions League because uh, it might hurt some people, but a Capital One Cup or a Carabao Cup or whatever the fuck cup you want to call it is not going to bring you the quality players 
And we've made a giant step towards that this season, I feel. The, the profile mm. of us being able to beat the bottom 13 teams with far more consistency gives us the leeway to be able to draw and even on occasion lose to the top six, whereas you know, last season we were killing top six. We were killing the top six uh, mini-league, but it was a lot more touch and go as to whether we'd finish yes. in the top four or not. You know, that's been a good thing. That's why we can't take this game in isolation. You know, the callers have also been saying that to us. It 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 looks bad and it feels bad and it's it's shit because it's United. You know, and this was that that's the one game you sort of want to win. But when you look at it, we don't have many Uniteds to play. We don't have a lot of top six teams to play. And like for the rest of the season, I'm very optimistic we, we stay in the top six. And I'm actually quite hopeful we finish above United. So, you know, from that perspective, it's not this game is not the one in, in determining the, the the war as such. This was a battle. We did lose this battle, but the war isn't over. And Klopp and his guys are, as Andy said, they fought really well. There was there's never been a question of uh, application commitment, doing what the manager says, and so on and so forth. Whereas in previous seasons, maybe with previous managers. We've seen that to be the case. You know, we've seen that to be a real problem. And just, you know, the reactions of the thing. And this is one of the things. Like, for example, if we look at our fullback situation, we tend to forget that we have a very young fullback mm. profile. You know, even, even with, you know, Alberto Moreno in there, he's not hit his prime yet and that kind of thing. And we, we aren't really fair when we comment on them completely. You know, like, take Robertson, for example. I'm a Robertson fan. He's made me a fan. I don't think there are many people who just don't rate Robertson, but even if he is the better defensive option, it doesn't mean, you know, he's 100% defend, uh, you know, 100% the best defensively when we look at, uh, you know, overall, when we look over the leagues and the top leagues of Europe and so on and so forth. Same with Trent, and we need to give them both that space in terms of to be able to, to, to just, you know, pat them on the back when they do something good. Not go off too much because that puts too much pressure on them because it sets them up for failure when they do make a mistake. And we do go off the deep end like we're doing, like a lot of people are doing right now for United. You know, Trent and Lovren are going to take a huge amount of stick for this game. And, you know, for that, I just think when you have these kinds of projects, when you have this kind of manager, focus on the progress of the team and what the team is doing, what's happening. You know, even with your eyes, you can see the underlying improvement in what's going on here over the season. And look at our future fixtures and tell me that you don't feel like at least optimistic that we are going to hit this target of being in the top four. And then looking at how we played this season with improvements next season, that we don't stay in the top four again, which is getting to be a harder and harder thing to do. I mean, remember when we weren't in the top four and we freaked out every single time we weren't going to be in the top four because like we just looked around us and we said, the rest of the top six are just going to improve. They're just going to get better people in and all that kind of stuff. We've we've done this, not without transfers, but sort of in spite of not having that huge transfer kitty. You know, we're just improving all the time. So, yeah, just to completely echo what Andy was saying there, there's lots and lots of room for optimism. And it is a game in isolation. It is a shit game. You know, just try and get through this week with the Manx and, and see what happens towards the end of the season. Sure thing, sure thing. I mean, Andy touched on something about the poor um, officiating guys. I think we've got to have a discussion on that, you know, before we pretty much close this pod. Um, you know, there's a lot of people mourning that we should have had penalties, and rightly so. I thought, you know, certainly Valencia and Rashford, very lucky not to even, like, be sent off in some cases, you know, for double yellows and whatnot. But, you know, there were some good penalty shouts that should have been given our way. But, 
it is what it is unfortunately we we know this you know like i've i've got to the stage where i've got so angry at referees that i've now become numb yeah. <laughs> I, I know i know what you mean i think the issue today was really that it was i'd almost liken it to you know spineless middle management mm. era of referees now where they're frightened they're quite happy to make decisions outside the box you know free kicks uh, that aren't in dangerous areas, middle of the pitch, anything that's marginal, they're quite happy to give them decisions. As soon as it gets in the box or in and around the box, especially against you know, certain teams who are playing at home, they're frightened to make what they would see as you know a device, you know, decisive and a difficult call. And it's easier to just err on the side of caution and not make a decision than make a decision and then get criticised for making the wrong one later. Uh, and I, I just feel that it's... We're in an era of of lots of poor officials, unfortunately, and and it is. I, I just feel as though they're they're frightened to make calls at times. So it it's like a it's a spineless trait, I think, in some of these officials. And it's yeah, he, he was he was quite poor today, I thought. But uh, overall, he was he was quite you know, in, in lots of not just the penalty decisions. I mean, the, the one on on Salah was. It was absolutely blatant, and even if the referee can't see it, you know he's got a linesman there to back him up, and uh, just nothing. I mean that was that was an awful decision. The handball, perhaps you could say, you know, questionable, but you know, fifty fifties, sometimes not even fifty fifties or even sixty forties free kicks around the pitch. It was the players were getting a bit warmed up at times, but he's not the only one. You know, there, there's a lot of really poor officials around and it's it's frustrating not just for us for lots of fans and it's the biggest thing is the inconsistency you know like you say you know, high feet kicking you know he'd give one as a as a free kick when it's you know the foot come up sort of waist height and another one where he, it's chest height and it's not a free kick you know and we're seeing yellow cards red cards nothing at all for some you know feet at, uh, at head height it's the inconsistency is what drives fans mad more than anything I feel. It's almost like Andy it's almost like the refs have decided how to ref the game in its totality before the whistle even blows. Like Mm. this is what I'm going to do this game and it just how? How do you do that? You have to referee a situation. I mean that's what you're there for. I mean a couple of the things there as well Andy you know we're all talking about VAR and the, the potential benefits or disadvantages or whatever. Let's take that Valencia one right? The ref has seen it hit his hand. It's traveled a long way. His hand's at his side. Like, the, the hand has changed the flight of the ball where it's traveled long enough for him to be able to react and do something about it, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. VR wouldn't even actually help in that situation because the referees looked at it and said, I've seen the handball. I'm just not giving it. So yeah. what, what does VR do in that situation? And well, when you have yeah, that they're, they're going to go I mean, with the referee on the pitch with them, them kind of definitely. calls. You know, definitely. And, and that's the thing. VAR doesn't negate the need for high-class officiating. And it just seems that, I mean, I know it's dangerous to make the, the, the process, you know, very public and referees can very quickly become targeted. That's not what I want. But there should be a level of sort of public communication on the handling of, of incidents like this. What happened in your game and what we thought was correct and what we thought was not correct and maybe... You know, okay, maybe not to that respect, but just some level of like the referee has made a mistake. He's a human person and he's learning from it. And these are, you know, these are the repercussions to help this ref learn from this thing. You know, he's, he's not going to manage a high profile game 
for the next couple months and stuff like that. You know, this is. On the other hand, you know, you had like the Fergie era where you make a, you do a bad call against United and you do not referee a United game for like another year. You know, so <laughs> there's one very enterprising Man City um, fans platform that went to go do the research on this, which was quite unbelievable. But, you know, there are still those inconsistencies. There are still those inconsistencies. People not, you know, they still feel making a big decisions in particular situations is... Is, is too high profile. And what it ends up is maybe even as a team like Liverpool, we don't feel it as much, but like smaller teams, if I can call them that, you know, the Hulls and the Brightons and the, even the Southamptons of this world, they continually get the short end of the stick because this is not an, a fair application of law. It's going on reputation. It's going on something that's, that's decided before the game is even started. That's just ridiculous. You know, he's, he's just sort of felt, I'm going to stay out of this today. Uh, no matter what, I'm not going to be making the headlines. And, and sort of that's it. It's just, that's not, that's not how you officiate. It's just not. It's, and it's happened so many times this season with different teams. It's just ridiculous. Mm. My favourite part of today has been, I thought, Kay, you were attacked by a giant bee then. <laughs> <laughs> not even going to lie. And I think you're absolutely spot on with the refs. I think, like I said, I've just become numb to it. I don't expect anything to come our way. I think referees just bottle it, which makes you think, what is the point of them? I'd rather have fucking robots and droids. You know what? Let's up the game. Fuck them off. You know, human error is, it, it happens. Of course it happens in football because these are the reasons that this, we've had errors in the past, but I feel like now there are so, so many errors. And I, I'm, I'm beginning to think, and it got me thinking a fair bit. Is there a lot of human errors because everything's under the microscope now. Like, you know, you get like 20 replays of, of a challenge from different angles. So therefore, referees are under fair more scrutiny than maybe they were, say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where you only had sort of like one camera angle and you were a bit more forgiving and you didn't have social media and you didn't have gifts and all that. And I do think the referee, the referee um, role and the, the job that they have, I don't envy them a job, but fuck mm. me, if there's been like two legit shouts for a penalty and not one's given, it does frustrate you. And I completely get that. And I think you're both spot on. Uh, you know, those could have been game changing. Yeah, and Nins, Nins, there's a couple of things with that. You know, one is there's been like two or three times this season where on face-off I've discussed with an opposition fan how both sets of fans have seen the referee give crap decisions to both teams. You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> that's one side of it. You know, that, that, that's just one side of it. Like the other side of it is if we have all this, you know, all these different eyes on the game, all these different perspectives, give refs more perspectives, have more officiating, you know, do that. Of course, the, the person in the middle, but like what they do in Europe, it seems to have made like a slight difference in, in terms of, you know, I, I, I don't know. I feel the officiating in Europe is better. You know, it might just be better anyway. But maybe that's a system that they can start to implement in the Premier League, just to have more eyes on it, to have more opinions, to be able to share the load of, I've made this decision. You know, why have I made this decision? Because I have more perspectives, I have more opinions, more sets of eyes on this thing by people who know what they're doing. And maybe that will help the, the officiation. Maybe it's also more difficult to give a wrong decision, you know, because like your assistants in your go going, no, actually, I don't think that was a thing. So, you know, if that's the problem, give them more eyes then. You know, do that. Just, I think everybody wants better officiating. I couldn't agree more. Right, guys, I think that is pretty much it for 
for this episode. Um, I think we all just want to we just want to forget it as quick as possible. Move on to the next. Uh, a massive thank you to our our callers. They were absolutely magnificent. But you two, before I let you go, um, it's been great chatting to you. But have you got anything to plug? Kay, I'll I'll come to you first. I'm sure you've got something to plug. Yeah, just have a just have a keep an ear out for the face offs. Uh, love your pod actually. I really enjoy hosting it. It's weird mm-hmm. to actually come on to guest on a pod when you host all the time. But uh, it's too different. You know, it's uh, the opposition fan from a Liverpool game. It gives you a slightly different perspective on what happens in the game. And uh, we discuss it from an opposition fan perspective and uh, and uh, a Liverpool fan's perspective. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for that. It happens after every game. It does. It's a fabulous pod. It's definitely worth a listen. Kay's amazing and his sidekick, Guy Drinkle, isn't bad either. And then we kind of mix it up with the opposition fan. It's magnificent. Do check that out, Kay. I'll be... I will listen to it despite me being disappointed. And Andy, what about yourself? Have you got anything to plug there? You're always a busy dude. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's the uh, latest Rose review re- uh, review mm-hmm. in um, February is out. Uh, that's got Dave Hendrick on it. He was my guest. Um, do check out how he did in the uh, the quiz as well. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give it away, but uh, yeah. If you're not sure whether Dave Hendrick knows his stuff about Liverpool, uh, just check out the quiz in the Res Review. And um, I, I do the uh, the Champions League uh, preview podcast as well. So obviously Liverpool through to the next round. So uh, uh, looking forward to, to seeing who we get in the next round of the Champions League. And, and that one, I think it'd be due somewhere at the end of the month. So uh, when, once that comes around, do check it out. And hey, it's all about Watford now, isn't it? It is indeed, and do check out um, Andy's pods. They are they are absolutely brilliant. I forgot to mention in your intro that you're the host of the Champions League pod too. Too too many pies, Andy. I can't keep up. This is the problem. <laughs> I mean, for my part, I'd urge, I'd, I'd absolutely urge everyone to follow these two guys. Their work. Check out Anfield Index. Also, check out Anfield Index Pro. You heard some subscribers there. All you have to do is go to AnfieldIndex.com forward slash join it's $4.99 a month $49.99 annually there is a seven day free trial do check it out there's some magnificent content we've got legends like Molby under pressure so the stats guys we've got the the raw post-match raw show as well with Trev Downey media matters a Euro incision. I, I did an amazing podcast this week, if I say so myself, um, covering the Liverpool game and then like a post-match reaction kind of thing to the Spurs um, defeat, which was quite fun. Uh, so, yeah, there's loads of loads of great content. Do check out AI Pro Tactics as well with Paul Dalglish, uh, the preview as well with uh, um, Eddie Gibbs. Amazing, amazing stuff. So do check that out. That's my only plug. Uh, to you, Reds listening, chin up it's not the end of the world this game is a one-off we go back to winning ways hopefully against Watford till next time up the Reds Podcast Network.